Hello, everyone. Titus O'Reilly here. As you may know by now, we have a membership program, Bazaar Plus, for people that love Sports Bazaar. As a member, you'll get all the normal episodes, of course. You'll get behind-the-scenes access. You'll get a weekly bonus podcast. You'll get a fortnightly newsletter, access to members-only chat room, the ability to vote on future episodes, and, of course, early access to any live shows we do. And it's very easy to join. Just go to the link in the show notes for this podcast or go to bizarreplus.com. That's Bizarre Plus, our membership program. We'd love to have you on board. It's Sports Bizarre. I'm going to kick back and enjoy this. Some of these stories, you would say, that cannot be true. The hunt for the weirdest. It's a real rollercoaster ride, this one, isn't it? <laughs> it makes Game of Thrones look like a sitcom. <laughs> Strangers. Hang on. He's on another level. What are you doing? <laughs> a lot of our stories that start with someone <laughs> fleeing moneylenders. Most unbelievable. This is a car crash. <laughs> stories to ever occur. We'll stop this right now. <laughs> it's just carnage. That is the densest bit of mayhem. So many <laughs> subplots in this story. In the world of sport. I think we're learning that embarrassment is not something. Sports bizarre. A naked fan ran onto the field and slid into second base. <laughs> no, I don't drink water. I cannot stand drinking water. I am the president of everybody. I am the president of the whole FIFA. <laughs> Opened his mouth and a sparrow flew out. It's time for the leaders of the hunt. It's really simple. Get there early, get the good back. It's Titus O'Reilly. And Mick Malloy. Welcome back to the latest episode of Sports Bazaar with me, Mick Malloy. And of course, Titus O'Reilly had left us halfway into our two-part special. It's about Adolf and Rudolf Dassler. Two yeah. brothers who in the last episode we talked about Germany going through World War II, yeah. members of the Nazi party. Build a company together. Build a big shoe company called Getter Together. Fell they, out. They fall out in the most acrimonious circumstances. Move to either side of the river in their tiny, town, tiny little town, people. Germany. Divide the town. Yeah. Like literally people won't marry someone who works in one of the other factories. Yes. And the two brands they formed is Adidas on one side and Puma on the other. This is Shakespearean. It's, this this is, has got everything in the world but packed into a little village in Bavaria. I know. And do you remember when you were growing up, people would all say about Adidas what it stood for? Either all day I dream about sport yes, or all day I dream about sex, right? But that was the joke everyone would yeah. make and laugh and go, oh, yeah. that's funny. When I found out later in life that it actually stood for Adolf Dassler, <laughs> who it's is not a, a former story, Nazi is party member, it's... <laughs> You know, it's all actually, and they've done a very good job of playing that down over the years. What I love about your story so far is it's consigned Adolf Hitler to a, like a back role. Like yeah, like he's kind of like part of a Greek chorus or something. But exactly, he's, the main games are happening over here. This is the main game. So where we left off is yeah, nine forty eight, nine forty nine. One side of the river, we've got Rudolph who's set up Puma. Yeah. Don't particularly care for Rudolph that much. No. And on the other side, we've got Addy, who's known as Addy, drops the Adolf and is known as Addy. Yeah. Has set up Adidas. And what happens is all the employees of the previous company get to pick what company they go work for. They split all the assets down the They split all the assets, but to the workers, they say, who do you want to go with? Yeah. Two-thirds stay with Addy at Adidas. Fair call. Because... They're mainly technical people, and all the sales businessy people <laughs> go with Rudolph right across the river. This right? is a real test. It's a real test. Literally, the river down the middle is like the Berlin Wall. They say yeah. this that you know you don't marry across the river. You don't, there's certain bakeries if you walk in with the wrong shoes, 
They call this town town of bent necks, which means if, when anyone bumps into anyone, the first thing they do is look down at their shoes to see what <laughs> brand they're wearing. So forget it's, like it's Catholic like, Protestant. It's like the Crips and the Bloods. Bloods. It's like, like, this yeah. is your in or you're out. Yep. If you walk into a bakery wearing Adidas and it's a Puma bakery, they won't serve you. This is literally what happens for like 80 plus years in this town. Wow. The feud is not just the brothers, right? It'd be terrible because they. I love those big pretzels. I'd imagine if the <laughs> if the big pretzels. I know. Bang on about the big pretzels. One of these brothers should go and make pretzels. I don't think there's puma and. I'd change shoes if, if, if one place bakery had the best pretzels. I would change shoes. You'd I'd have I'd, a pair I'd, of each. I'd have a pair of each. <laughs> now, could I just say that this is Adidas and Puma are so pervasive that. Maddie, our audio engineer, our recordist, the yes. third musketeer of our podcast, yes. didn't know we were doing this today, is wearing an Adidas top. This is how much everyone listening to this has got. I thought he was going to say one Puma runner and one Adidas <laughs> runner. Now, I'm not saying that makes him a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, Rudolph has quickly hires a bunch of shoemakers because there's a lot of shoemakers unemployed after the war, but all the main shoemakers stayed But he can't 80. poach anyone off at of 80. No, 80. well, they agreed that everyone could pick where they went, yeah. but he knows there's lots of people in the broad area that want, and he's got his share of the machines for making shoes, and he just basically at the start uses pretty much the designs that Getter had because yeah. technically they both own the Getter designs even though 80 is the one yeah. that designed most of them. So that's what he's doing. 80 sets up his, he's called it Adidas. He starts to develop a football shoe straight away. And one thing that the Getter shoes had is they had two straps down the side, which were for support. And he has worked on one that has three parallel straps on the side of the shoe that is for support. One thing that's always bugged him is when people are wearing his shoes, it's hard to tell the difference between a, an Adidas shoe or a Puma shoe or any shoe, or one yeah. of the British shoes or any. Britain own a lot of the soccer market at this point. He decides, well, what if these supporting straps oh on the God. side, the three straps, what if I put them as a different colour to the shoes themselves? That's incredible. I thought this was for design or is this The three for... straps are there for support and design. Yeah. So you've got the normal shoe then three straps of leather to provide extra support. Yeah, so we're basically talking starts. about the Adidas logo now. He decides to make those three straps a different colour to stand out. So on the side of each of his shoes are these three coloured straps which becomes... Well, that is marketing then, isn't it? That becomes the Adidas three stripes Incredible. that to this day you see everywhere, right? That's how he comes up with that, right? Kata Dassler, his wife, who is very opinionated and quite smart, yes. she basically quickly fills in Rudolph's old job of sales and doing the business side of things. Well, she's shown an aptitude for it as she, she showed with the Americans when they came to town. So Addy doesn't want to do it. He just wants to design shoes. He's a boffin. He's a boffin. So Kata takes over and she is quite forceful but very good. People start to come in from all over the place. So like, for instance, one guy comes in, Ray Shilly, who's a German who'd gone to Canada, and he comes in and he's actually peddling marmalade locomotives and he writes to her and says, can you send some Adidas boots and I'll sell them in Canada? And she basically engineers a deal to sell shoes in Canada through him, yeah. which takes off. She also has people just coming in all the time to meet them because the shoes become well known. So one guy called Simeon Dietrich, he owns a hardware business in Michigan. He turns up in 955. He's running an errand for a friend who's a track coach in America yeah. who wants some of these shoes. So he just turns up to right. grab a couple of shoes and leaves with 
the rights to distribute Adidas products in the United States because Cato goes talks him into it basically. Yeah. So they're all going well, but they're so focused on each other, they just get more and more focused to the point where, so for example, this is how much the feud is. When handymen come to work at Rudolph's house to fix a drain pipe or whatever, they'll turn up in Adidas clothing and shoes on purpose to because Rudolph would see it, say to them, go to the basement, pick out shoes and tops and take them for free <laughs> because I want. do not want you in my house in Adidas gear. But they knew this, right? So they Fantastic. knew and then they would sell it to someone else. Brilliant. His daughter said, Rudolph simply couldn't stand the fact that someone was wearing an Adidas shoe in his private home. <laughs> but just so I'm clear, there's enough work. Both businesses are going very well. They're going fairly well. Are they fighting for each other's customers or are they just doing their own no, they're thing. fighting for each other. Okay. So they're very so competitive. They're, yeah. they're trying to both outdo each other on shoe design, yeah. the look, the feel, the everything. Okay. It's like the space race, right? The <laughs> two sides are driving each other yes. forward. So they're becoming more innovative. They're looking for new markets. Gotcha. They're yep. doing everything you can imagine. An um, example of this is the national soccer team for Germany. Both oh, wow. want to win it over. Now, the coach is a guy called Sepp Herberger. Since the 30s, he'd been the head coach of Germany. Sepp Herberger. Did you pronounce that correctly? Or? Sepp Herberger. That's the real name. Right. And he had worked with Getter back in the day when yeah. the brothers were together. And he was the head manager of the of German football. And he was good friends with Rudolf. So Rudolf had all the cards when it came to winning over soccer. You'd think he'd... Uh, 80s got athletics... Very much so, yeah. and the Olympics. Yeah. So there's no reason Rudolph, and at this point they're both pretty similar sized companies. So Rudolph should have no problem with this. Also, his boots are now quite lightweight, and now he's competing in soccer against the British the most, right? The British have all the football boots, but the British football boots are like what we would equivalent now to like Blundstones or Doc What's Martins. their prominent brand? Gola are the big English company yeah. made for sturdiness, mud getting through as long as possible yeah, like yeah. you know the german ones especially puma at this point with the soccer boots they're starting to get into lightweight materials you know they've used everything like over the course of an 80 experience with things like shark skin and kangaroo skin and he'll yeah. try anything and same with puma so puma have lighter boots at this stage right. adidas are very in track and field at this point rudolph is good friends with sepp herberger who you doubted my pronunciation, but they're great names, aren't they? Yeah. So after the breakup, Herberger sides with Puma. So Puma looked to have the soccer market sewn up. So this is driving both of them forward. Puma's got soccer, 80's got all the other sports. Yeah. Herberger is working away with Rudolph and Rudolph, of course, can't help but being himself, which is a bully, yeah. basically. Yeah. And he blows it. One day he says that he thinks that Herberg is not treating him like with the respect he deserves, he deserves. right? So he says, you're a small king, Herberger, and if you don't suit us, we'll just pick another guy. Wow. So he says this is the national soccer coach of Germany. This turns out to be a bad move. <laughs> it blows up in Rudolf's face. Herberg immediately switches to Adidas. Oh, wow. So Puma's lost soccer. So Aidy, who's like quiet, wants to work yeah. with athletes direct, wants to listen and tweak and yeah. all that, he suddenly is behind Germany's soccer club yeah. and sits on the bench during games 
and tweaks the player's boots in real time. He loves it. He loves it. And so he's also in all the photographs and everything, right? So and Players her, love him. Players love him. And this is for West Germany now because this is post-World yeah. War II. So he's working for West Germany. As they're working, Herberg is really making a drive to make Germany the dominant world force in soccer sure. because they humiliated the Germans. They need something to grab. Yeah, they're poor, the, they're broke, they've you know got the Nazism hanging over their heads. The they want some good news. War. They want some Somebody good to news. grab the imagination of the German people. Adi becomes known as the national shoemaker because he's making all the shoes for all the athletes. Rudolf is furious. <laughs> In 952, while this is this is around the early 50s, 80s also expanded. He doesn't want to, but Qatar sees it as a need. Starts expanding into clothes, balls, warm-up suits, track suits, and this is where the three stripes yeah. on track suits starts coming in. So all the German soccer team are all wearing these three stripes. So very recognisable, great branding. They can't play in the 1950 World Cup because they're banned from international soccer. Right. The Germans have not been let back in. But by 1954, the World Cup, West Germany is allowed to participate and it's the first ever World Cup to be televised. So a lot of things are coming together here for Adolf. Yeah. Sepp Herberger says, what are we going to do for the World Cup? How are we going to get through this? And AD says, I have a secret weapon that we are going to use in this World Cup. Now, they make it all the way to the finals which is amazing. West Germany, first sure. one back, and they're playing the Hungarians. Now, the Hungarians are absolutely amazing team. The final is in Bern, but the Germans have played Hungary in the early stages of the World Cup and yep. lost eight to three. Okay. And yeah. the Hungarians have destroyed everyone. So no one believes West Germany has any chance of winning this World Cup. That day, Adi Dassler and Sepp Herberger, they're at the hotel before the game and they're looking up and they're hoping it will rain because their captain Fritz Walters great in the rain but also <laughs> they have this secret weapon there's no rain but when they finally get to the stadium it starts to rain and they're like very Hello. excited game on now the reason they're so clean on this is Adi has come up with a new invention and what this is is screw in stuff. oh my god never been used before oh, in sport oh wow now Puma argue they had invented these already <laughs> and used them in some of the German soccer league games, but Adidas will swear that they were the first. Yeah. Whoever invented them first, this is when everyone becomes aware of them. To start the game when it's a bit drier, all the players have short studs in them. The benefit of screwing studs is the minute it gets wetter and wetter and wetter, you whip out the shorter studs and put in longer, longer studs. Stuff. The long stops. Now, you can't do this if you don't have screw and studs. You, it's impossible. All the rest are just molded studs or they're just set studs. It's like changing your tyres in a Formula yep, 1 going, for wet yep. weather. You go either on the slicks or you're on the dries or you're, it's the same. This is where the rubber meets the road. Remember the first game between Hungary and Germany, it finishes 8-3. At halftime, it's nil all. And the coach says to 80, time to switch the studs. So they come out and it's almost mud in the second half. It's just pouring with rain. Oh. And the Germans have these longer studs. And so they're keeping their feet more on. Six minutes before the end of the game, it's Germany's score. And it goes absolutely nuts. The fans are going absolutely nuts. And then final whistle goes and Germany have won the World Cup. And the players lift Herberger on their shoulders and the coach. And he grabs Adi Dassler and insists that he be included in the victory snapshot. 
wonderful. So suddenly Adidas, they're all in Adidas track suits, uh, Adidas uh, boots. Everyone is saying, uh, yeah. screw in boots. Can we cut to Rudolph? He's sitting in front of the toilet. <laughs> On the other side of the Orac, which is the river down the middle, <laughs> Rudolph is not happy. <laughs> Rudolph is actually in Switzerland at the time and they start saying, well, we've already invented these months ago and all this, but no yeah, one no. cares. The, Germany, West Germany have suddenly won the World Cup after the long years of the war. It's 9.54 by now. You know, it's nine Massive years after The rest of the world aren't thrilled West Germany win, to be honest. Uh, yeah. the, you know, the they're all in Adidas kit. All in Adidas kit, tracksuits, everything, right? Everything is like… It's incredible. Perfect, right? So Adolf Dessler and Adidas, they're named official ambassadors of German football. He gets a seat reserved on the national team's bus. Next to the team manager all the time. And even now, to this day, Adidas are the brand that's associated with the German national team. This wins them over 100%. Like suddenly Puma go from being an even competitor to to Adidas become the biggest and Puma are the second biggest in the world by a fair margin. Rivalry over. To the point where in the 1960s, Adidas is producing 22,000 pairs of shoes per day in a total of 16 factories across the world. Incredible. So huge. 1960s Olympics, Puma don't give up and they're still doing well overall, but just Adidas are much bigger and they're the biggest by a mile, is the first time an Olympian gets paid money for wearing shoes and it's Rudolph that does it. So this sets off the whole thing of product endorsement and paid endorsement. Because AD was doing the German team for free. It was pure marketing, right? It was, you know, he wasn't having to pay them. They were like, you're like our pit crew. You're helping us. This is where Rudolph actually opens up his wallet and says, I'll pay this German sprinter, Armin Hari, money to wear Pumas in the 100-metre final. Wow. So Hari had previously worn Adidas but says, okay, he went to AD and said, will you pay me? And AD's like, I'm not paying you. You're lucky to have my shoes. My shoes will make you win, right? So he wears the Pumas. He wins gold in the Pumas. But then Harry decides that he'll lace up Adidas for the medal ceremony, hoping to cash in from both... (laughs) Not really getting how sponsorships oh, work, thinking again. if I wear Puma and Adidas, they'll both pay me. Not well, happy. cut to 80 and 80 goes, he's so outraged, he's like, you're oh. banned from wearing Adidas ever again. Wow. But this opens up an absolute Pandora's box of well, sponsorship. Here we go. That, the games that, begin. That takes off and is like, to the point where it, the World Cup when Pelé was playing, the two families, and this point the two sons are coming in and also helping run these two companies, yeah. they actually have a pact called the Pelé Pact, which is they both agree that neither side will sign Pelé because <laughs> so Pelé be misses so out. expensive. Well, they reckon if they uh, get in a they go, both say, look, our costs have gone up massively sponsoring yeah. athletes and competing against each other, but Pelé will bankrupt either of us. <laughs> So poor Pele is so the best Pele, club player in the world, gets nothing. So there's a guy from Puma who's hanging around the Brazilian team. He signs up all the rest of the Brazilian team yeah. and but won't talk to Pele. And Pele's like going, what are you doing? You are signing all these lesser players yeah. and they're all getting money and no one will talk to me. And this guy is just a local guy, yeah. sort of knows about the pack but kind of figures, what if I can secretly do this? Yeah. So what he does is he says to Pele, I'll tell you what, you wear Puma and I'll pay you and what you have to do is at the World Cup final, 
when the ball is about to be kicked off, because Pele's about to kick off the ball in the centre to start mm -hmm. the game, I want you to ask the ref if you can bend down and tie both shoelaces. So while the whole world's waiting for the World Cup to start, <laughs> Pele bends down to tie his pumas and the guy pays the cameraman to zoom in on the pumas. Oh. And so it's this unofficial bit of like guerrilla marketing. This is incredible. And a famous thing, but it breaks the pact. And that's like where it's all, wow. all the player sponsorship you see now. From that moment on, it's open slather. Whoever can sign that's a player. That's pool. So yeah, Game like, on. so you talk about like that movie Air that just came out about yes. Michael Jordan's thing, like all that stemmed from Puma and Adidas, all yeah. that from this war between the two brothers, right? Yeah. Um, Jeez. By the seventies, Adidas is the biggest company in the world for sport, and Puma is the second biggest, and there's no other competitors yes. on the horizon in the seventies, right? They are free and clear. Rudolf Dassler though has become an angry old man, <laughs> as, opposed, as opposed to an angry young, young man. man. Yeah. His behaviour is described as increasingly erratic. Um, he's barely ever at work. He's not involved in the day-to-day -day management. His son, he just continuously berates and abuses, right? He repeatedly, Rudolph, keeps making little changes to his will all the time. So depending on what mood he's in, he's like, you're in, you're out, you're in, you're out. And keeps everyone posted. Yeah, yeah. Jeez. Apparently his final will has little scraps of paper all attached to it and stuff. Like, <laughs> it's just like... Stick it notes. Yeah. In September 1974, it becomes clear that Rudolph is not well man. It turns out he's got lung cancer. He finds this out and he's on a break. He hurriedly goes back to work and changes his will again. <laughs> so in the last hours of his life, Rudolph does not have long to go, a chaplain comes to say last rites and see through his final moments. Yeah. And he decides to put the dying man's mind at rest by trying to force a reconciliation with Haiti. I would have thought. And you've got to remember they're on opposite sides of the river. Sure. So it's, they're like a two-minute walk from each other, right? It's not like, you know. Yeah. So he gets 80 on the phone and, you know, you got to remember the two brothers, though, right up to the end don't get along. They barely talk to each other. Yes. After the Mexico City Olympics, Rudolph got a restraining order from 80 precisely on his 70th birthday. <laughs> He's <laughs> not letting just it go. Just stuff with him. Like just... 80 like, sends a restraining order like on his, on his birthday. It's incredible. There's no warmth or slowing down. And no respite. No. So the chaplain calls Adolf and says, your brother's got like half an hour, an hour to go. How about you come across the river and reconcile and give him a hug and say goodbye? And Adolf says no and says, you can convey I forgive him. <laughs> That's passive aggressive. Rudolf Dassler dies on the 27th of October 1974. He's 76. Adidas publishes a public press release. It says, for reasons of human pity, the Adolf Dassler family will not comment on the death of Rudolf Dassler. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wow. <laughs> there you go. This is Shakespeare. Yeah. Adi and Kata Dassler send their eldest daughter to attend the funeral service. Yep. So they tend to send a representative, but they don't go. Um, in his later years, Adi Dassler kind of looks on at the business. He don't even like the business side of things anyway. He was always yeah. about innovation and shoes. So he becomes more and more detached. So right. Kata is running the business side of things. AD's still obsessed with shoe design. So still coming up with new shoe designs and ideas yeah. and patents and all that. But he's just exhausted. He's sick of his managers and his wife and his daughters who are all working there. 
yeah. wanting him to do stuff for the company because he just it's like if it's he's, not he's, about. he's fine he just he, and he's sick of it one of his assistants says to us avoid responding to them all he sometimes drove his car from the entrance of the factory to his home even though the distance was less than 100 meters because it meant he didn't have to talk to anyone <laughs> i can see you and i doing oh, that one day absolutely that's in our future right no, he's created it all isn't it? it's a great story because it's Someone who's supposed to sit in a back room and tinker with a boot. Yeah. And then all this comes up around him and it gets to the point where you go, I don't I don't care about this. Recognize this anymore. Because he he when they got him. into clothes and that, he goes, I don't want to be a tailor. I want to do shoes. I couldn't care less about this. But he said, You can go do that if you want. But if you look at Adidas today, you associate Adidas as much with tracksuit and casual exactly, wear as yeah. you do with their shoe. Almost. But I mean, that's a game changer because were they out of the ground before Puma? Yeah, were before doing Puma that? did. Didn't but the ha- thing about that though is the one thing that a few times in their history, both Puma and Adidas later on, which won't, we won't cover today, but we might in the future, they struggle a bit, and they have Reebok and Nike come out as challengers. Reebok lose their way, and I think yeah. they're now owned by Adidas Reebok. But the one thing that does stop Adidas from ever completely falling away is they always have this sports science focus on, at their core, we produce the best shoes for athletes. So they've never lost that 80s thing yeah. of, and so when things were tough and they weren't cool, they still had a business because athletes went, yeah, but they're, they're, they're great shoes, so we still wear them. So 80s vision has kind of still remained the centre. But you're right, there's all other bits that take this from being probably like a, a niche product. Yeah. But 80 probably would have never done that. But what he did do is he kept building shoes that kept winning gold medals and stuff. So that's where they could people wanted the triple stripes. Michael Jordan's favorite brand in college was Adidas. Adidas. He didn't want to sign with Nike originally. <laughs> he want, he only he wouldn't even And take again, a this is all thanks to Rudolph. The whole idea and sales, yeah. as I say through gritted teeth. But you go they got the idea, well if we can't beat them in a quality product way. Yeah. We'll just buy our way out of this trouble. Yep. We'll rig the deck through commercial arrangements commercial. Exactly. and endorsements. So exactly. was that the first element of that in sport occurring? Yeah, that's where the money starts to come in on professional athlete endorsements and paying. And that was the first time an Olympian had ever been paid. The other fascinating thing to me is that this is all born out of, don't mean negative energy, but the fact that two brothers who are feuding with a well, backdrop very of a war, 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 that you go innovation and better product comes not from just sitting around going, I have this altruistic idea of making everyone a better shoe. Yeah. It's just I want to ground my brother into the dirt. Yeah. And there's, if you look at all innovation, like, like even sometimes in our it's business like too, race, right? you go, oh, well, we want to do the best podcast. It can be a motivating factor that's as powerful or more powerful. Because you can't sit still, can you? You know that the other side is probably sitting there coming up with a way to beat you. you need to be sitting in a room and, stroking a white cat. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> going, how can I make my so mark? So you have to be going, we better one-up them before they one-up us. Where if you don't have any competitors, and this is the problem with a monopoly, right? You get comfortable, you sit back, you don't need, why do more innovative things? Because what you a don't What powerful driving force. But then, yeah, they really hate each other. Like they just genuinely hate each other and so they're like to the death to the to, death to the end so rudolph was dead yeah rudolph's dead 80s very like he's driving his car to avoid speaking to his family <laughs> and his things right um this is the third act the difficult third act but, you know this is where despite all, doing this he, he'd walk around 
with his notepad, always making notes, always writing down things. He'd watch sport and write down stuff. He'd tinker in his workshop all the time. Yeah. Over five decades, he worked registering 700 patents. Yeah. So as he got older, everyone wanted to like honor him because, you know, for German industry and business and sport and so huge. He, Jesse Owens comes back as an ambassador for Adidas. Yeah. Like, you know, so he's, you know, people will turn up at the factory or at the home because he's still in the villa to get a glimpse of him. And one day he's walking his dog around the compound of the villa and someone comes up to the fence and goes, do you know where Addy Dassler is? And Addy Dassler goes, don't know, I'm the gardener. <laughs> So yeah, he yeah. just, this is the level no of, yeah. He once said to his friend Eric Dauso, who's the medical advisor of the German soccer team, that he didn't have a clue how many factories Adidas owned. And frankly, he didn't care. Like, he has no idea. By 1978, the company had 3,000 people being employed and they're pumping out 180,000 pairs. They have factories in 17 countries and they are selling in 144 countries. And A doesn't know anything about any of this. Like he just doesn't. They, they're all willing to tell him. He just doesn't care. Yes. He's been advised to slow down. Right up towards the end, he's playing soccer and tennis regularly. Yes. He's told to get rid of that. And on August 18, 1978, Catter founds him motionless in his bed and he's had a stroke. And he's rushed the intensive care unit. And he lays there for three weeks and all his children are there, his wife. And he passes away at the clinic age 78 on the 6th of September, 1978. Now, the Dassler family said they followed his strict instructions, which were to keep pompous speech makers and other <laughs> intruders at bay. Yes. To make sure the funeral would remain private, Kata and her five children and their families assembled one hour before the time that had been scheduled publicly. Yes. And it was a rainy day. They all showed up and he's buried. Now, they made sure he was buried in the local cemetery in the exact opposite spot, as far as ways you can get in the cemetery from Rudolph. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Wow. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's incredible. So uh, even in death, so there's one corner Rudolph's in, the very opposite corner, literally as far, far as you can get and still be in the same cemetery. You can get. The divide lasted right to their deaths. It does seem there is one thing where the brothers, people often ask the question, did they ever speak again? Yeah. Now, there's a bit of rumours and innuendo, and some people swear by this. It does seem the brothers did speak a few times afterwards. They met up several times. One of Artie Dassler's assistants, Horst Warman, he said he arranged four lengthy discussions between them in the early 70s. So this is just before Rudolph's death. Yes. The Grand Hotel in Nuremberg and at Frankfurt Airport. And that they actually did make up in some ways. Now, some people say, well, this doesn't seem really likely given 80 wouldn't even cross the river to say yes. goodbye. Apparently, they would get their drivers would secretly meet up and they would uh, talk and stuff. They said the reason is the people close to this who reckon this is true and some people say they yes. don't know if it's true. Say the reason they never told him one is their wives would never accept a making up and uh, their workers would not and it would have been bad for business. Right. So there is a possibility this ended happier than it seems. Than it seems. That said, and we won't cover this now, but I think this is a story we might revisit in the future. Yes. Horse Dassler, who comes to run Adidas and is 80's oldest son. Yes. And who basically sets up the 
money surrounding FIFA. We've and dealt the, with this guy we've before. We've dealt with him. He was good friends with um, Avalanche in our FIFA special. So if you haven't listened to him, go back and listen to them. But his whole life beyond even FIFA is amazing. That drives him still competes with the remaining family members over in Puma. This feud goes on long after the brothers have died. Yeah. In 2009, the two companies decided to bury their differences with a friendly game of soccer. What they did is they decided to play a mixed game where it was workers versus management, so they would mix the teams, so Puma and Adidas, people on the same side, in the same town, First time ever any joint thing had ever been done between the two companies. And it took place on United Nations World Peace Day. I was going to say, tear down this wall. This is as big a moment in uh, For this town, yeah, the, this is it. And they play a joint thing. Afterwards they say that there'll be no further joint ventures, but there is a sense now that the two companies are now owned by Share markets, yeah. they are no longer, they're on the share markets, they're listed companies, they're not family owned anymore. Yeah. That the feud is basically over except for just normal competitiveness. But still in the town, people still identify themselves not with the same vitriol but as Puma or Adidas families. You wear the right shoes into the right bakery or you're cooked. Yeah. I have a couple of questions for you. Did Adidas ever try and take over Puma? Like after Rudolph dies, you would have thought, were they vulnerable? Did, obviously, Adidas was the bigger company. Was it ever of interest to go, I'm going to No, they really didn't that. like each other, the two companies, right. because the family stayed involved into the late 80s, into the 90s yes. in some way. I think it was the early 90s when they started to get listed and things like that. So yeah. there was no real thing. And the interesting thing, and this is another story for another day, but just to touch on it, Puma and Adidas hated each other so much and fought against each other so much to the point where when Nike emerges in America and Reebok in Britain, Puma and Adidas are so focused on each other, they pay them no mind. They don't see the... And Nike are now the number one company in the world, Adidas second, Puma third. My other question was in regards to 80s private life, so he never... Was he still living in that same house, in that same building? When you say he didn't know he had 17 factories... He didn't live an opulent life. He didn't change any aspect. He didn't become grandiose or go on holidays to – didn't have eight houses around the world. No, he just basically stayed doing that. You know, he's very into sport and stuff, but he just wanted to make shoes. He was a true obsessive, absolute obsessive. And Rudolph, to his credit, and he comes across badly at a lot of this and for very good reasons, still built a very successful business with Puma, right? So it wasn't like Puma what? Rubbish. No, that's a, they pushed Adidas in many ways as well on sales like and Pepsi, like Pepsi and, and Coke. They're still yeah. So Rudolph came up with the idea of calling it Puma, coming up with the leaping Puma logo, yeah. all these things. So he was on marketing. He was way ahead of some of these things as well. But I think most people who would be wearing Adidas and Puma today would not know I have that no it's formed my two brothers who hated each other <laughs> and both ex Nazis. And there are certain bakeries in a small town that they can't go into. <laughs> um, fascinating story again uh, and one I previously did not know. Thank you, Titus O'Reilly. As you know, I've been shamelessly plugging our membership program, Bazaar Plus, and one of the key bits that people are loving is you get an extra episode every week. Here's a short outtake from our bonus episode. If we ever needed any evidence of the Russians being dodgy, oh, God. it goes right back. But 1980s Moscow Olympics. <laughs> 
<laughs> they had the javelins, right? Uh, the javelin, yeah. right? Here we go. It was at the Central Lenin Stadium in Moscow. Yeah. And you'll be shocked to learn that what happened is when this was a big stadium and it had giant doors uh-huh. at each end. Sure. So whenever a Russian athlete got up to throw the javelin, the ground staff would open the giant gates that were normally <laughs> kept shut to let a wind into the stadium. <laughs> like, a, like a big gust. Yeah, it would like create a wind tunnel. They would let their Soviet athlete throw. Right. And then the minute they'd finished, the gates would They'd be quickly closed. <laughs> Did he win by 20 metres or something? So the guy that won was a Russian named Danis Kula. He won gold. Now, he also received additional help because at one point he threw uh, his, it landed flat instead of the point sticking and yeah. the officials quickly stuck it into the ground and measured it. Oh, my God. It. So they had the gates opening. They are I just, I love cheating that's not even trying to be subtle. <laughs> that's a short clip from our bonus episode each week for members who join our Bizarre Plus program. If you're interested in signing up to that and hearing more of it, simply go to the link in the show notes or go to bizarreplus.com.